0: It's been 10 months since the last time I set up my laptop on a restaurant table, untangled a pile of cables, propped up a few microphones, and asked if they wouldn't mind turning the music down for just a bit for an Abby Eats St. Louis podcast interview. Of course I miss it. I mean, I was just kind of getting good at checking my levels, people. Audio is hard. But chatting over the phone, Zoom, FaceTime, it has its moments seeing a restaurateur's kid climb into his lap when we're not quite done with the conversation yet, getting a glimpse of the empty produce boxes shoved into the corner by the bathroom to make a makeshift office setup, and sometimes, maybe the absence of a big fuzzy mic in their face means they could take their guard down a bit. Outside of the confines of the restaurant, our conversations can be limitless. Happy 2021, y'all. Deep breaths. We made it. We don't want to make any big declarations of what we hope this year brings because, well, we worked really hard to swap out one F word for another in 2020, flexibility. As did so many of the people we've talked to in the past several months. And no, we're not gonna make a resolution or tell you what exactly to expect out of the pot every week, but we will say we're hopeful and we're thankful for the opportunity to keep sharing stories from around the table celebrating the characters and stories and unexpected realities of the st louis food scene while helping you stay up to date on the latest news and events and for now we're still doing it all virtually which brings us back to this particular conversation i was actually in a camper in southern missouri escaping to the rural wilderness for the last days of 2020 and gus kebby III was sitting in the driver's seat of his car for a different kind of escape. I
1: left the house. The kids were uh, going crazy from, uh, you know, all the uh, Christmas excitements, all the new toys. So uh, I went and parked up the street and uh, <laughs> so we have a little quiet. So
0: <laughs> Anything particularly hot under the tree this year for your fam?
1: You know what? My daughters are still young. I got a five-year-old, a two, or excuse me, four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-month-old. So just the excitement of just like having, I guess, a new doll. The dolls was kind of a thing because, you know, babies are huge this year for us. So we have a new one. So they're just all about playing mom and playing house and stuff. So uh,
0: A doll. So name. simple. So classic. Timeless, but still so nice even in 2020. And that's something Gus knows a lot about. He makes his living making a food that's said to have been invented 1,400 years ago. Because, yes, he is that Gus. Today on Abbey Eats St. Louis, Business 101 with Gus's Pretzels, as they begin their 101st year of business. We connect with the third Gus to run the iconic St. Louis pretzel spot about how they've run a family business for more than a century, why their biggest strength was one of their biggest hurdles last year, and how he feels about passing the salty, doughy baton to the next generation.
1: They have to try something else. My dad always wanted me to do something else.
0: When you were first looking at this 100-year anniversary um, for this family business of yours, did you want to do anything to make it special, to celebrate it? What was the plan for year 100?
1: So our, 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 we were, we were going to have parties. We were going to call them parties. But-
0: Gus has had a lot of celebrating planned to mark 100 years since their family business started in 1920. Gus III's great-grandfather started selling the pretzels as a side gig back when selling pretzels on the street and carts around St. Louis was, you know, more of a thing. His son-in-law bought the business and ran it wholesale. Instead of carting themselves, they made their money selling pretzel sticks that would peek out of the paper bag and be more appealing to customers, to pretzel vendors on the street. When Gus Jr. bought it from his father, he and his brother David got more into the retail side of things and made the shop the must-visit stop it is today. And now Gus III is ascending to the top. Let's not harp too much on what couldn't be back in 2020, what happened to all those celebrations, but you should know they were going to do a big. They planned on collaborations with local businesses. He says they included anyone from Park Avenue Coffee to St. Louis Snow Cone to Steve's Hot Dogs. They were supposed to start things off right around St. Patrick's Day. Which, is, of course, is right about the time the world got canceled.
1: I tell you what, it was—it was pretty brutal. It was—it was a brutal month.
0: Wholesale business kept them afloat for a while. Pivot after pivot. Gus says their biggest business priority became making sure their employees could take home the same paycheck they had pre-pandemic.
1: We totally changed our business plan. Uh, you know, my wife and I were just like, okay, let's just keep the keep the lights on. We're, you know, if we can just uh, make it through this year, this will be one of the most successful years. in in the hundred year history. So funny. We're going to celebrate, you know, everything was looking so good. And all of a sudden now, oh, now, you know, but it seems like each generation went through the thing. My great grandpa started in the depression, you know, so he had to work through uh, some serious, you know, issues. And my grandpa, you know, I'm sure he went through some stuff. My dad, the eighties, you know, he he, uh, he had some tough times and, uh, you know, now in the two thousands, it's just, uh, (laughs) you know, everybody's got to go through their thing. Everybody's got to, you know, Make their make their stamp on uh, on Gus's. So I guess this is all my wife and and mine, uh, uh, chance to you know put our put our stamp on it. So
0: oh God, let's hope that this is the worst part, the worst thing that yeah you have to yeah deal with. Exact,
1: exactly exactly okay. yeah let's hope so because you know it's it's been a it's been a tough year but uh, we'll hopefully bounce back hopefully 2021. You know I have no expectations for 2021. I just, whatever comes we're gonna be hopefully be ready for.
0: How much did that perspective of knowing what your father, grandfather, and everyone before them dealt with, and how did that inform how you handled everything as it changed and came along this year?
1: You know, I guess just the willingness to, just the actual willingness to change. We've been doing this a hundred years. I know, just for an example, my great-grandpa Frank, when he started, his only customers were the pretzel peddlers, people that would sell pretzels Mm -hmm. on the street corners. There was no retail business uh my grandpa had the same business model just selling to the peddlers couple little retail my dad kind of my dad my uncle saw the potential in the retail and really kind of expanded on that and kind of the pretzel pedals of our were phasing out at that time in the 80s so um they started more opening up to retail uh you know for and then they added a uh, the bratwurst, salt, eats and hot dog wrap pretzel to the menu to add more like a lunch instead of just a snack food. Mm-hmm. So I, so I guess just looking back on that is just their willingness to change, even though, you know, a very rich tradition of how we do things that every generation has had to change to adapt to what, you know, what people want. So, um, I guess just our willingness to change this year to, you know, adding, you know, curbside, trying to get that figured out and, uh, just, uh, you know, just try, <laughs> trying to stay afloat. You know, I guess I did no other no other thing than we did this year was just try try and keep the doors open and just try and make it safe. You know, that was the main thing was just keeping customers and our employees for the most thing just safe.
0: The hardest thing was slowing it down. It was difficult for them. They're geared to be able to churn out thousands of pretzels every day. Well, they only needed a fraction of that. They're used to being able to collect crumpled dollar bills from the construction workers who come in on break, run orders for the PTO mom who needs a snack for a big group of people at the meeting, grab a quick breakfast for the hungry morning TV reporter. They had to take a deep breath and figure things out, just like everyone else in the food world. But unlike most people in the food world, Gus 3 was doing it with a particularly invested outgoing owner, supervisor, his dad, Gus II. Gus Three says they have a good working relationship. If anything, it's too easy, actually, to slide into shop talk at even a casual family gathering. And he expects that to continue even as he becomes the new owner, buying the business from his father and officially taking over this year. We
1: You know, like, like me uh, taking over doesn't mean I'm going to have like an office job or anything or I'm going to oversee. Anything. I'm still I'm still twisting cruxles I'm still sweeping the floor. I'm still mopping. Wow. I'm still cleaning the bathrooms and stuff. So, like, you know, there's not really a trend. like once. I buy the place from There's not really like a transition of oh you know I I get to oversee and now come in whenever I want no it's nothing really will change and I don't think my dad will stop coming down I just think he'll he'll come down when he wants sort of thing and not in uniform just to come say hi and make sure I'm doing everything right because he'll let me know if I'm doing it wrong for sure
0: (laughs) it's been a long time coming Gus says he's known he's wanted to do this run the family business that already has his name painted on the window since he was in high school. That's when he began working at the shop part-time. Nevertheless, on the way to the top of Gus's, he went to Missouri State to study business. I asked why.
1: I, I always thought, you know, if I ever have kids, I'll let them know that I went to college or sort anything. Of they have to try something else. My dad always wanted me to do something else. That's, that's another thing about each generation was like has begged the next generation not to do it. You know, like, don't do this. Do something else. Have a normal life. You know, You know, enjoy your weekends. You know, life is short, but uh, I guess we're just stubborn, and uh, we just don't listen to the generation before us, and and uh, we just take it over. But uh, yeah, my dad did it to me; his dad did it to him, and uh, so.
0: The Gus's website touts the new ideas this third-generation Gus has brought to the table already. He says those include a better system to crank out fresh pretzels throughout the day, a frozen pretzels fundraising arm of the business, and collaborating with other restaurants, becoming more a part of the food scene Gus loves. But at the heart of it all has always been the pretzel, an inexpensive treat, a crowd-pleaser, and a classic. They're fun to eat, and it's fun to watch through the window as they're made in the South City shop that stands in the shadow of AB. Gus says those simple qualities helped them, not just last year, but for the century before then
1: too. Good the little things just uh, you know, make brighten people's day.
0: Going into year 101, that all of that being said about the pretzels and the products, there's some business sense that has to come along with it. There's some understanding of the community you're working with. There's there's a lot that goes into it. How would you, if you had to teach a Business 101 if you will. <laughs> hey, how to stay in business 2 year 101. What are some of the simple lessons that you would want to pass on to other folks who see your success, see your family success and want to emulate that?
1: Well, that's a great question. Um I think really paying attention to your quality, the quality of your product and uh, you know, and uh just treating, you know. I think one of the main things, like we let's go back to the staff. I mean, just mm-hmm. hiring people that you can trust, treating them fairly. Um. And uh, that's a that's a great question. I never thought about this one. Um, yeah, I I just think having like my dad always says, have a strong back and a weak mind in the pretzel business because it's just <laughs> a lot of hours. I mean, it's a grind. when you're opening your own business, you know, if someone's thinking about opening their own business, it's you know, it's going to be a lot of work, It's going to be very hard work, uh, a lot of hours, you're gonna miss out. But my dad, oh, my dad, people ask him all the time. You know, like this, I think his go-to answer is, you got to get away. No matter what, mm. if you're going to put your heart and soul into this. But you got to step away because it says you'll blink your eyes and you'll wake up and you'll be 50 years old and your kids will be growing Like What happened? I missed a lot. So he he always tells young people or, you know, people have that question. Like, you got to learn how to step away.
0: And you said three little ones at home. Are they all girls?
1: I have uh, uh, my daughter Reese. She's four. Susan is two, and we we uh, have a Gus the fourth. He's three months old.
0: I was just going to ask you if any of them were named Gus. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you're going to try to uh, do the classic, talking them into trying something different?
1: Absolutely. I say to my daughter Reese all the time. She's she's a four year old. You know, I, you gotta try something. I, I I definitely whatever they're passionate about. You know, if if they're passionate about pretzels, that's great. If not, you know, it's all about being happy and being passionate so if none of my children want to take it over i i am totally fine with that you know I, I definitely will tell them you know they need to try something else like my dad told me and his dad told him and, and try something else and uh, you know who knows you know they could uh, they could fall in love with uh some, something else some other profession and uh, you know but if not i'll be here waiting for them <laughs>
0: So, Dory. Hi, Dory. Hi. Producer Dory almost greeting me from the Shaw Bureau of Abby Eats St. Louis because this part's done over Zoom still, too. Dory, if you had a business named after you, don't you feel like you would, like, have to ascend to that role and run it? I mean, it's kind of your birthright.
2: It's, yeah, your birthright. And I don't even want to say obligation, but wouldn't it be sort of your honor to Mm. take over and run this shop that has your name? I would think so. Yeah, I love it.
0: So we're back and we are going to bring you as we always do some food news Um, and as we get things kind of started this year, not a ton of events to keep you posted on. Um, Of course there is still the ongoing pandemic and we do keep that in mind when we think about the types of events we want to let you guys know about. Um, We only want to share things that we think are safe and frankly going to be fun also. Um, And Mm -hmm. so we Mm -hmm. will do that kind of, especially in the colder months Um, we'll let you know of things that catch our attention especially, but might not necessarily have as much of a weekend
2: planner. It's going to be a cold one. I think actually kind of rainy and maybe even a little snowy. Mm. So just uh, hunker down for this weekend. There is food news. News still does happen.
0: And Dory wrangled up a bunch of it for us. So Dory, what do we
2: got? Yeah. So speaking of places that are in that century club, we've got some great news for Joya's. They were recently recognized as the Best Sandwich in Missouri by Food and Wine Magazine. Just their classic hot salami got the ranking there. They were boasted for being around for more than 100 years. And also those sandwiches, if you didn't know this, are served on Fazio's Bakery Bread, which is another place that's also been around for more than 100 years. I think the dogs heard you talk
0: about Joyas, uh, Dory. And they were like, mom, mom, we need that for dinner. It always smells so good. (laughs) So I just escorted them out. But congratulations to Joya's. And that, off the top of my head, that is not the first time they've been recognized
2: for something like that, right? Exactly. Yeah, they've been recognized by James Beard, too, and probably all kinds of other sort of distinguishes like that. Yeah.
0: Mm, Well, Ronnie and Mia might be lucky because that might need to be what I get for dinner here. <laughs> so that's a gem. We've we've also got some other gems to talk about. And I really like the title of this one, Dory, the um, distinction that these restaurants were given.
2: Yeah. So these were given the distinction of restaurants that America can't lose. So with the ongoing pandemic, just ravaging the restaurant industry, the writers at Esquire put together a list of the 100 restaurants in the U.S. that are so critical to our ID as a food nation that America just can't afford to lose them. And sort of to St. Louis's credit, we have three spots on this list and also Hmm. a shout out because one of the writers at Esquire is from St. Louis. So maybe that's why we got a little bit of- uh,
0: Sometimes some good things happen when St. Louisans leaves the nest.
2: (laughs) Exactly, right. So first up on this list, we have Blueberry Hill. The writer raved about their burgers and live music. And also how Chuck Berry used to play their play shows there like Mm -hmm. once a month. Yep. Um, Another one on the list was Canetto House of Pasta. Mm. They called it the crown jewel of the hill. One of my said that they have a menu with no fuss, but tons of flavor also gave a shout out to their T-Ravs. Uh, what's a list like this without T-Ravs on it, right?
0: Actually, I'm really glad that T-Ravs made it to a list of American
2: foods because we are we sometimes have to convince people of that one. <laughs> yes, we do. We're always fighting for it, right? Yeah. Um, and the third spot that made this list is Pappy. So our beloved barbecue place, they said that they've been a heavy hitter since they launched in 2008. And also remarked how their ribs have been recognized as some of the best in the country, which they are definitely, I'm pretty sure they're one of my favorite ribs in mm-hmm. town for sure. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking of all three of these places
0: are spots where I've brought, I, you know, somebody who's coming to visit or maybe is a newbie to trying different foods in St. Louis. I've gone to each of these three. So I think this was a pretty, and I think they could kind of summarize two St. Louis style restaurants. like. Mm-hmm. minus maybe a couple of our cool fine dining type of places or some of our newer spots. Um, I think these are three pretty classic choices. So
2: well done. I like yeah, it. Exactly. Um, blues, barbecue, and pasta, right? Can't go wrong. Yeah. You know, somebody should put that on a t-shirt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so not all news is good news, though, Dor. Um, and even though uh, this one is from uh, last month, we wanted to make sure we let people know about it in case they haven't been downtown in a while.
2: Yeah, so I was trying to keep this list all positive, but... Yeah, this one kind of crept back into our memories here. So back in December, on December 19th, the Eat Right Diner closed down. This would be their second time. Um, Like you said, this is such a big thing that even though this happened a month ago, we felt like it was still worth mentioning and bringing to everybody's attention again. Mm -hmm.
0: The owners posted. And again, as you mentioned, Dory, it's not the first time they've closed. Um, The current or most recent owners took ownership uh, a couple years ago in 2017 they posted on facebook that they permanently closed their doors thanking their patrons they actually said the start of 2020 was predicted to be their diner's best year yet the sales they said were setting the tone for it being a really good year then pandemic happened and as we all know how that can impact all these different restaurants um but they did hint, you never know what the future holds, uh, and reminding St. Louis to remember, eat right or don't eat at all. Um, that tiny, tiny little place that I think we always take for granted down in Saint, downtown St. Louis is just being there, especially driving past it for work or whatnot, Dory. Um, and a Going lot to Cardinals of folks, games. Exactly, yeah, post-pre-Cardinals games, all of that. I'll admit I hadn't been there since I was a little kid until um, coming back here, living in St. Louis. And so who knows, though, it's an iconic spot that might come back to life in some capacity. Sorry for bringing your list down, Dory, with that one. But (laughs) we have other good opening news, and I'm excited about this one.
2: Yeah, let's bring it back. So we've got three new openings to tell you about all over the St. Louis area. First up, loaded elevated nachos for one this is like speaking my language because i love nachos so this is coming to the streets of saint charles these are from our friends over at narwhals they did a nacho pop-up um last week i think at that saint charles location and they're planning to do a full open in february some of their flavors these sound really good they're um they have a jamaican jerk one a Mm. sweet corn one that had Mm. like Uh, I think avocado and cilantro on it. And then also a buffalo chicken. And I'm always here for some buffalo chicken.
0: I had a nacho bar in my high school graduation party, and (sighs) it was definitely cooler than all the kids who had like chocolate fountains and whatever else was Mm -hmm. cool at the time. Nacho bar. Oh my gosh, that sounds great. And congratulations to those guys because they're best friends doing business together and continuing to do good stuff. So that's awesome.
2: Yeah. All right. And then another uh, cool opening we've got coming up here. Chicken Out is opening up their second location. This is going to be in addition to their spot on the loop. They are now coming to Kirkwood. The second spot is going to be part of a bigger project at Manchester and Kirkwood road, which is a really busy intersection. So they'll should be able to get a lot of traffic right there. Um, and again, if you, if chicken out sounds familiar, but you can't quite place it. These are this is opened by the guys who are behind Sugar Fire and High Point Drive-in. Mm hmm. Also, uh, and we were saying that just
0: you got to get in the chicken game like chicken. I used to think you don't go out to eat to get chicken because that's what the only thing I knew how to cook at home. And <laughs> now it's like there's so many different options to go out and try some tasty chicken. So that's neat. And then we talked about ghost kitchens in a whole episode relatively recently. You should uh, scroll back in your podcast feed and check that one out. And we've got another one to tell you about that. I'm very excited about.
2: Yeah, this one is really cool. It's from Mission Taco Joint. So, this ghost kitchen actually has a really familiar menu. It's called the Ghost ch- Kitchen concept is called Holy Mole or Holy Mole. <laughs> Holy Mole. Holy Mole, maybe yeah. Um, so this concept has a lot of the popular dishes that were served up at the owner's previous restaurant, Milagro Modern Mexican, which closed in 2018 now. This is a true ghost kitchen. You can't even really go to this location to even pick up the food. It's pretty much delivery only within a 5-mile radius and it's located at Missions Central Kitchen which is in Webster Grove. So if you live within 5 miles of there, I try to get up down with some of this holy mole. It sounds really good. It does sound good and I was excited to
0: see that that concept was coming to life because when, in our episode about mission taco. Um, God, it was crazy. That was the reason that one's always going to stick in my head. Cause that's our last episode we did where we actually sat down at a table at that Webster Groves kitchen and Jason Tilford, um, Jason and Adam are the brothers Adams a little more on the business side. Jason's the food guy. And I asked them if they were to do something totally different than what they're doing right now, he actually really misses Milagro and doing that kind of stuff. And so in some ways, I haven't checked in with him on this, but it seems like maybe this was one of those opportunities provided by the resurgence of ghost kitchens and the pandemic urging or, you know, pushing people to try different types of things. So that's I'm excited to try that one, especially remembering him being so excited about it.
2: Yeah, that's a cool opportunity and, you know, using that space to kind of branch out a little bit more too.
0: Mm -hmm. Hey, Dory, what's the best thing you had to eat this week? And you know what I'm going to say, since this is our first episode of all of 2021, uh, we took a couple much needed weeks off here. Um, I'll live, I'll, I'll let you be a little flexible. It just,
2: what's the best thing you've had to eat so far this year? Oh man, that's a toughie. Um, probably Okay, so just like everybody at the start of the new year, you try to be healthier, right?
1: So, um,
2: (laughs) try, try to be healthier. Um, So, I was tasked at my, with one of my recent grocery store trips, I was tasked with trying to come up with some kale salads to eat, which just like on the surface sounds so boring, right? I found this really good recipe that I've now made twice in the past week. So it's a kale salad with a homemade lemon vinaigrette with fresh mint and parsley in the dressing. It has like a soft boiled jammy egg on top with roasted sweet potatoes and avocado. So it's a lot going on there. That but sounds it was like so good. It's so, not, it was so flavorful. And like, most importantly, it was really filling too. Like you could just have that as your meal. And, you know, I guess pretty, it would be vegetarian friendly too, for the most part. Um, So yeah, that was the best thing I've had to eat, but something that's not quite as healthy, I guess. Thanks to you, friend. I finally got to try one of the hot chocolate bombs from Clementine's. Got a nice little treat on my doorstep recently. Um, So first of all, this hot chocolate bomb was beautiful. It was this really pretty purple color Mm -hmm. with uh, sparkles on top. And bigger than I thought they were going to be, right? It was huge. It barely fit in like the normal coffee cups that I had. I brought out one of my bigger coffee cups to put it in. Um, But it wasn't just all looks. It actually tasted really, really good. And it was rich and chocolatey and I'm hooked. I, I need more of these in my life now. So feel free anyone to drop one of these off at my doorstep. I will welcome it. <laughs> it was really good.
0: That's awesome. I'm glad it lived up to the hype. You know, now Clementine's is offering different kinds. Cause I remember when we were talking about it, we were super excited about the brunch boozy brunch one. And so I actually called mm-hmm. around to the different places to see if they had that one. And I think you can still order them online and whatnot, but be honest, I don't think that far ahead. And I, they're, they're doing some now that it's like a golden turmeric tea, mm. bomb, which I'm like, man, they're going to come up with all sorts of stuff. There's something futuristic about it. You just like add water and poof, it becomes something it's, yeah, I love it. I'm glad you got it, to, I'm glad you enjoyed it.
2: I did. I loved it. It was good. And it, and it was fun to watch. So of course I took a video.
0: <laughs> Heck yeah. Picks or it didn't you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, this Jane, Dory and I are both January birthday babies, um, which is part of the reason we were off for uh, the begin at the beginning of the year for a little bit. Um, last year for my birthday, I went to New Orleans and mm. just ate like a queen. And I could eat, mm, man, food there's so good. And I was craving something like that, um, so we did takeout from Broadway Oyster Bar. Oh, and, I'm so jealous. Yeah, it's just so good. And of course there's like you get sad cuz you want to just like go in and hang out and you know, there'd be a game and have some drinks and live music and stuff, but not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um so we did uh Broadway Osteria takeout. I got the étouffée and you got to get some of the voodoo shrimp and mm-hmm. it was just like Uh, like I had to try to divide it up and then got red beans and rice and some gumbo and all of that. But the etouffee and the voodoo shrimp were like my top things. And it was a little taste of something from far away. And it just makes me really excited to travel again, hopefully soon and hopefully sometime this year.
2: Yeah, bringing those flavors of places that you've been able to visit recently, it does kind of help transport you there for at least a brief fleeting moment. Ooh la
1: la.
0: La la. Abby Eats St. Louis is a five on your side production. I'm Abby Larico. And I'm Dori Almos. Our theme music is by Jerome Fabi, Olivier Renoir, and Pierre Dubost. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We will drop every week with us. And if you're excited about it, leave us a review and a rating as well. And you can always hit us up on Instagram. We're at Abby Eats St. Louis and seize the plate. I said it differently this time. I think I'm gonna go with it. Like, my inflection was different.
2: Please, the plate.